social media platforms just search for ron upshaw or don o'neill hey you guys what's going on it's episode number uh, 206 of the ron and don show and kind of a different episode uh today uh, ron and i had decided uh last year that we're going to try to really talk less politics and more just about us and about you and the human condition and how we're getting through covid together and also a lot of the great things uh, that are happening on planet Earth and also right here in our community, right here in Seattle. Because sometimes I think what happens is when we talk about homelessness, we talk about COVID, uh, and we also talk about politics, it takes us to a place of despair. And so we decided in 2021 that uh, we're not going to do that as much. And then uh, we all know what happened a few days ago uh, in the other Washington. And I think because of what Ron and I have done for the last quarter of a century on the radio, a lot of that in news talk, you know us from news talk, you know us as your great realtors at Windermere, you know we're live from the Les Schwab Studios, you know this is episode 206, but you also know that we care deeply. We care deeply about this country, Uh, we care deeply about you, and whether you're on the right or the left, we care deeply about our democracy. Uh, And we are patriots, like many of you. Uh, We are patriots. So, Ron, I just want to kind of get your reaction. It's been a few days. Um, uh, People have died. An officer has died. A young lady who was an Air Force vet uh, for 14 years, did five tours, uh, left children behind in California, her husband behind. And the way that they found out that she had passed away is they sat down to watch television. And they were eating dinner, and they found out their mom was no longer with us. Uh, She was a person that supported the president. She was a person that showed up because he said so. And she is a person that is now no longer with us because she was shot uh, by a police officer. Uh, Capitol Hill uh, police chief, we know that he has resigned. We know that many people have resigned, including a good friend of mine uh, that worked for the president, also worked for the first lady. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. How are you doing? How is all this sitting with you? And uh, we just kind of decided this is probably something this is probably something that that we need to talk about because this is one of the biggest events of our lifetime. And it seems like some of the greatest and biggest events of our lifetime didn't get left in 2020. And I always tell people, hey, just because the clock changed, just because it's 2021, it doesn't mean that we left everything behind. It's still with us. Uh, but it is uh, a new year as we head forward. Uh, very good open there, Don. I, I think for me, anytime there's been actual substantive change in my life or in a society or in a movement, it's it always starts with an admission of the truth and where you're at. And the truth is we had a coup attempt in the United States of America. And you had a sitting president in front of the White House with the presidential seal on a podium, direct followers to go march on the Capitol. And 
He directed them to do so. He said he would be there and spouted lies after lie, after lie, after lie, uh, so much so that there were thousands of people that believed that somehow this election was stolen, despite the fact that uh, there's been, I think, 61 different judges. Six, man- 68 now. Yeah. Many of whom were appointed by Donald Trump yeah. say, you have no standing. You cannot prove there was any fraud. And yet um, this happened on the Capitol. So you also have... Republican leaders that stood by and they knew better. Mitch McConnell knew he's been through enough elections. He knew the day of the election that Donald Trump lost it. He waited and he stayed silent for a month to coddle him. Uh, Lindsey Graham, he knew the day of the election who won. Uh, Ted Cruz, who went to Harvard, who clerked at the United States Supreme Court. He's a bright guy, despite what you know you may or may not think of him. He knew. So you have people in power that knew what was going on, that chose deliberately to turn a blind eye, to be subservient to a, a wannabe fascist. And I don't throw that word around lightly. You don't. Fascism. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard you say that. So A fascist is a person that tries to disregard the will of the people and overthrow or to take control of a government for their own purposes, motivated by their own greed, their own lust for power, their own racial superiority, whatever the motivation is. That is what a fascist is. We had a a fascist attempt to coup on the United States government to take the voting that happened in November of 2020 and completely toss it to the side. So uh, the best thing for me is to not start with going, oh, man, this is an aberration. Oh, wow, this doesn't happen here. Oh, wow, we're the greatest country on God's green earth. Oh, wow, we're this uh, United States exceptionalism. A coup attempt happened in the United States. We have to start there. And we have to start with this laid bare in my mind, the racial history of the United States of America in a way that few things have in modern history. You go back to last year, Black Lives Matter. What happened at the Lincoln Memorial? You had armed guards from the National Guard in full battle rattle, preemptively standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial because they didn't want those people to come up and damage the Lincoln Memorial. Go look at the picture. And then yesterday or last week, you have virtually no security at the Capitol. You have a man carrying a Confederate flag do a forceful entry into the United States Capitol and walk around. You have a guy put his feet up on the Speaker of the House uh, desk. You have a dude jump up on a statue, a guy steal a podium and walk out. They weren't arrested. They walked out. And so let's stop pretending like there's not a different set of rules for a bunch of white people armed that feel like they are entitled to just storm into the United States Capitol on the day that the the president-elect is supposed to be certified and say, we don't care how America voted. We want it our way. And we're going to use force to get our way. We're going to hold the government hostage until we get our way. And 
And it, it's it's disheartening to me that there's going to be a lot of people and a lot of talking heads that now back away. Oh, I, I, I didn't, you know, we just thought we'd, you know, let him have his last couple of weeks to self-pardon everybody. And, you know, what's the harm in kind of letting him, you know, pretend like the, the election was stolen? This is the harm. This is the United States usually looks at other countries and says, oh, there's an attempted coup in Venezuela. Tisk tisk tisk. Look at the look at the, look at how they they do their government. We're we're better than that. We're not better than that. We are not better than that. And, and this is is setting the stage now to go forward where um, it could go even worse in my mind. You you now have people that felt emboldened enough to try to you know march in and and disrupt this uh, you know the coronation of of Joe Biden. With pretty much no downside so far. Yeah. Somebody you didn't mention is Mike Pence. And we know a couple days ago that he and Pelosi, uh, at 3.36 in the morning, they declared that the Electoral College had been counted and that Joe Biden would be the next president. He'll be inaugurated here in a couple weeks. And it's been very interesting because when it comes to COVID, for instance, we are approaching, we're, we're approaching 400,000 dead Americans, 400,000. As we head into spring, that number will soar over 500,000. You have a lot of people in this country that don't want to take the shot because the president doesn't want people to take the shot. Mike Pence, on the other hand, took the shot. Mike Pence lately has been masking up. Uh, Mike Pence, it was his job, because he's the president of Congress, uh, to go in there and take this vote, which he did. Uh, We're recording at a time where there's lots of pressure on the president to step down. There's also pressure to impeach him. Some people believe he should be impeached, and that way he can't run again in 2024. Nancy Pelosi asked Pence to do invoke the 25th Amendment, and he has not. Yeah, he's well, so, to do he, so he has he has said nothing. He has he has not done anything. What what do you make of 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 Mike Pence and all this? Um, he I, I think he has shown a lot of cowardice. I don't think he's shown any leadership. He attached himself. He's a sycophant uh, to the president. And uh, this is not a Republican Democrat thing for me. This is a power thing. Whether you're red or blue, the the elite, you know, one half of one percent in America, they're they're about retaining their power and keeping the rest of the strata of society in their place. And Mike Pence is right there. He wants to retain his power. Um, there's a tremendous amount of grifting going on right now, which is stoking all of the this these fears and hatreds and racial animosity and then saying oh my god you have to give me your money to you know support me they're they're stealing this from us you know give me your money so that we can we can win this battle and so you see that up and down the entire food chain um, it's sort of like Donald Trump is the shark swimming through the water and there's all the little fish, sucker fishes that are swimming in his wake, getting the crumbs. It, it's, it's a giant grift. And, and Mike Pence is right there. Um, what else would you need to have? If, if he, if he invoked the 25th amendment, he's basically admitting that he was complicit. And so he is not going to do that. Uh, the 25th amendment, for those that don't know, is where the cabinet 
has to say, we think the president can no longer serve. These are fruits of what happened for the JFK assassination. So after the JFK assassination, Congress said, whoa, we, we kind of didn't anticipate what happens if JFK would have lived in some sort of vegetative state or in a compromised state. What do we do? So they, they did the 25th Amendment at that time, but they never anticipated this. They anticipated, oh, the president has a stroke. He's mentally incompetent at that point. Um, there's a medical emergency. There is something that has happened along those lines. And when the, the cabinet would step in and then they say, we don't think you're competent anymore. The president has four days to rebut that. If they can't come to terms, then the Congress would vote uh, to remove the president by two thirds in, in both houses. And, but I don't think they had it pictured in their minds and neither did the founding fathers. They would have a sitting president basically calling for insurrection. You know, we're using all of these old timey words. Go look up what sedition is. There's a law in the books for sedition. Sedition is, is two or more people cooperating to try and overthrow the government. It's a conspiracy. That's what we just had. Yeah. We had sedition and you had over, um, I think a hundred and some odd, 130 some odd Republicans in the house that still stuck with Trump to try to overturn Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And you had members of Congress do that. How is that not sedition? Yeah, he still had six senators, uh, including Ted Cruz. And then he woke up the next day and looked at the polls and said, wow, I am on the wrong side of history here because we know he's going to make a run at 2024 too. So uh, let me ask you this. We come back. Is this good for America? Uh what happened in the other Washington, even though that blood was shed, even though that lives were lost, even though a police officer passed away. Um, is there something good in all this? I think there is. Let's talk about it on the other side of this. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. <laughs> Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for, and I don't think we would have like found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I was just um, so impressed with their professionalism, their competence, their responsiveness, their respectfulness of our process. Run uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places. It was a very smooth process. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul. They did a great job. The market was super hot. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. 
Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe. All right, you guys, welcome back to The Ron and Don Show, episode 206, and uh, kind of a different kind of Ron and Don Show. Again, we didn't want to talk a lot about politics. We're live from Electro-Up Studios, but uh, this is beyond politics. Uh, this is our country. Um, this is our humanity, and the world is watching. And here we are in the middle of COVID. Here we are in the middle, for some of us, a crashed economy, uh, wondering how we're going to feed our kids. Wonder if our kids are going to go back to school, or are we going to go back to work? Am I going to be able to pay the rent? Pay the mortgage, pay the car payment, pay the babysitter. Jeez, can you even get a babysitter so I can go to work? A lot of childcare issues, a lot of things going on. Uh, food insecurity is incredible right now around the country. And we certainly have seen the haves and the have-nots as many of those on Wall Street have profited during this time. And they're connected to the other Washington. And those on Main Street, uh, many of them have really suffered. I think what we saw in the other Washington, I've seen some good in it. Uh, which is hard to believe. And I want to talk about that before we get out of here today. Before we do that, though, let's talk about Facebook. Let's talk about Twitter. And let's talk about them putting the president in the penalty box. And, Ron, I've had a lot of people reach out to me because they say, you guys in the media, uh, you're trying to shut my president down. Uh, He's a patriot. You're taking away his freedom of speech. Uh, Twitter has done that. Facebook has done that. And now you're doing this. Uh, What is your take on that? Because people do see us still as members of the media, not just as great realtors, but as members of the media. What is your take on that? And then then what is the responsibility of a platform like Twitter and Facebook, who did take him down for about 12 hours? Uh, He erased some of those posts. And at this hour, when we're recording this, uh, which is a few days before this airs on this Monday, he is now back up on Twitter and, and, and back up on Facebook, at least at this time. So, um, I'm going to say something again that's going to seem hyperbolic, and I mean it seriously. It is a form of mental illness when a person will not accept reality. If you go into a mental institution uh, and there is a person there that will not accept reality, what do we usually do? Typically, we will medicate them. We will try to diagnose them, maybe they're schizophrenic, maybe they're hallucinating, whatever the, the the disorder is. And the reason we say that is because you can put something up in front of them and they won't accept it. You could say, do what what is on this card? And if it's a black dot and they go off into some fantastical thing, um, you will say this person's not in their right mind. So that we treat that as a mental illness, a mental disorder. We now have Millions of Americans, or at least hundreds of thousands of Americans, if not millions, that refuse to believe reality, that say, no, 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 your facts are not my facts. No, no, no. This is how I feel. This is what I believe to be true. I believe there's a pedophile ring in a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C., and that it's my uh, God has called me to go rescue those children. Whether or not there's any facts or whether or not there's any children or whether or not there's a ring doesn't matter because this is what I believe the world to be. That's a mental disorder. And so if someone wants to go, oh, you're the big bad media guy, let's just take the the fraudulent vote, all right? There has been over 60 cases in, in state Supreme Courts, appeals courts, up to the United States Supreme Court, where judges 
have sat in a courtroom and said, I hear your allegation of fraud, prove it. This is how truth works. Prove to me your claim. You made a claim. I'm willing. I'm sitting here listening to your claim. Prove it to me. If you and I had a dispute uh, and I said, Don owes me $10,000 and I go into a court of law, if I can pull out a contract where it says you owe me $10,000 and we both signed it, I'm going to win that lawsuit. Why? Because I have a piece of proof. We can verify your signature. We can look at this document. We can read what it says and what you agreed to. If I go in front of that same judge and I go, well, I just believe it. <laughs> I, I believe that he, he did. That judge is going to throw me out of that courtroom as fast as you can. That has happened over 60 times where Rudy Giuliani and all these other people have, have taken, have written on a legal document, a, a claim. And then when they got before the judge, they had no evidence. So if you choose to not believe that, you are mentally unstable in some way. And you can fla- flail around all you want. And you can say it's the media's fault. And it's the deep state. And it's QAnon. And it's, it's this, that, and the other. And you liberal elites. And you don't get it. it th- that's very black and white. Either a fraud happened or a fraud didn't happen. All you have to do is show one piece of evidence. I have a computer expert here, and he can prove to you that this code was changed. Here is an actual ballot that was destroyed, and we have evidence of that. Here is an eyewitness to people that destroyed ballots or changed ballots or whatever your claim was, and they were unable to win any of those cases. They won, Donald Trump won one procedural case in Pennsylvania that resulted in him getting zero votes. It was some sort of arcane procedural law, uh, part of the lawsuit, and he was awarded that, but it didn't change any votes. So that, that to me, is, is another beginning point, is us as a society saying there is such a thing as, as facts. There is a way to prove if you're correct. You could go in front of an uninterested third party, and you supply evidence to prove your case. And if you go, yeah, but it's the deep state. Well, yeah, but they're they're colluding against me. Yeah, but I saw it on Facebook. You forgot about the libtards. Yeah, it's the libtards' fault. It's you yeah. people, you people in the media. Yeah. Um. And this goes for journalism as well. When you see a story in the New York Times, the Washington Post, or the San Jose Mercury News, the Seattle Times, Tacoma News Tribune, they have to prove it. You can't, I can't go to my editor and take a story and just say, these things happened. Well, how do you know that? Because I feel it. I believe it. That story doesn't get published. If you're an opinion columnist, maybe, but it's not front page A1 coverage. You have to prove it. Here's a document. Here's a quote from a witness. We corroborated this fact with three different people. They all said the same thing. Here's a photograph that proves what we said. The things that we are publishing actually happened, and I can verify that they happened with other evidence. That's how that story gets published. And let me jump in. Here's the reason why it's important. We had uh, the Atlantic say something about us. We had a local... uh, 
a politician say something about us. And it was printed in the Atlantic. We had a local writer here write it. It wasn't true. And so we went to the Atlantic and we said, this isn't true. And as a result of that, here's the evidence. And they looked at the evidence and they agreed with us that it wasn't true. And it was retracted as a result of that. And the Atlantic was punished as a result of that. So it's important, even when it's the media talking about the media, that you get things right. Because if you don't get them right, and the evidence doesn't back that, someone can take you to a court of law and financially hurt you. Uh, so when you look at a lot of these stories that are flying around, or a lot of things that even that the president said and is still saying, when you look at the evidence, when you look at Twitter, when you look at Facebook, so let's pivot back to that. One of the reasons why they took him off Twitter and Facebook is they just said, hey, the things that you are saying are not true. We're looking at the evidence. What about Twitter, though, and Facebook putting him back on? Because at the end of the day, he drives 35% of the traffic on Twitter. And I bet today he's driving 90, 90% of the traffic. I've listened to Jack Dorsey, the, the CEO of Twitter, multiple times. I don't think he's driven by that traffic. Like, this is something they're building for, you know, years and years and years. And so, yeah, they want it to do well. But um, they believe, these tech guys believe in this now Pollyanna thing that's like, hey, information wants to be free. We're not the, we're a platform. We're not the arbiters of truth. Um, you know, there was this belief that, you know, the community could kind of police itself. Like a lot of these fundamental things that they thought they believed are now crumbling um, when, when you have Russian hackers and all those things. So, I mean, the Second Amendment is not Twitter. Donald Trump has the right to free speech. He has the right the free platforms. Yeah, and when people consider Facebook, and that's what's interesting. When people say the media, people now see Facebook and Twitter as the media, which is really interesting. With none of the ethical obligations. Right. So I can create a website, uh, truthtellers.net or whatever, and make it look like a news organization and have none of yeah. the ethics of a news organization. The truth is nobody listens to the news anymore, and that's why the news pivoted and you hear Anderson Cooper speak about this a lot CNN was dying and they were stuck between MSNBC and they were stuck between Fox MSNBC used to just be a news show just have news anchors on there we saw the same thing on CNN and then when everybody saw Fox take off and they went wow they're taking the news they're spinning it when when as soon as Bill O'Reilly said no spin zone or the spin stops here he used to say the same thing when he was on a current affair he was the anchor on a current affair. He was pretending to be a newsman. He took that act, the Fox News, and he did the same damn thing that he was doing on current affair, but he just made $20 million a year doing it. Glenn Beck was the same way. Glenn Beck was a rock and roll disc jockey in Seattle, Washington. In fact, you and he were born in the same town of Mount Vernon. And Glenn Beck figured out, you know what I can do? I can take this thing called the news, I can give it a spin, I can create some conspiracy to it, and as a result of that, I can go and I can profit. And that's exactly what is happening here. And what happens is people get older, and this is my concern. I've seen this happen in my own family. Because most of the people that watch those news channels, the average age is 70 years old. Well, as you get older, you don't move as much. You don't get up and go to work. 
you don't tune into the news in the morning for 20 minutes and then get up and then you're about your day. A lot of times you're sitting at home in those his and her recliners or here in Seattle, maybe you're sitting in his and his recliners. I don't know, whoever your partner is. And you're watching that stuff all day. All day. I was talking to my mom last night. She'd been watching the news all day. And when you're watching the news like that all day, you start getting consumed by that. You start getting angry. You start getting convinced. And you know what these channels start getting? They start getting great ratings. And they start making tons of money. And advertisers love that. And so here was MSNBC going, nobody's watching us. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring in the Rachel Maddows of the world. And we're going to entertain people with the news also. And then CNN looked at that. And they said, you know what? We're going to go out and create shows too where we're entertaining people. You still see Anderson Cooper, who tries to be a newsman, but you see him step across that line all the time. And think about it even here in our own town. Nobody listens to Como. Nobody listens to it. And if you do, if there's a big news story, maybe you check in for five or ten minutes. But Como, as a news channel, just giving the news without opinion, without spin, they really struggle. They really struggle. And that's one of the reasons why where we work, when we were at Cairo, we came in there because we were rock and roll guys. We were morning radio jocks. And what we did is we did a similar thing. We took the news, we gave a spin, we gave an angle, and we told you our opinion. And the danger is, if that's your appetite, I mean, if that's all you're feeding yourself each and every day is somebody else's opinion, because you don't like going out to the CDC, and just reading the evidence of what's happening with COVID-19. If you want to know what's happening to COVID-19, don't listen to Bill O'Reilly or Fox News or MSNBC or CNN. All you have to do is jump online and read the CDC. But that's not exciting. Nobody does it. It, it can be very granular. And as a result of that, uh, news organizations now have really become entertainment organizations and we even see that on all the morning shows, right? Good morning, America, today, tomorrow, all those shows. They, they rip some headlines, but at the same time, it really is about opinion. So. Uh, you're a, a student of, of U.S. history. How did this hit you emotionally? Where do you, where do you sort of stack it in your study of U.S. history? You know what? I was glad it happened. Uh, and I'm not glad that people died, and I'm not glad that police officer died. And I know I had talked to people that said, hey, uh, that woman who served in the Air Force, who passed away, who got shot, and you read some of her tweets, some of the things she said, I mean, she was she was a very extreme Trumper. Uh, I was sad that she died. She served her country, five tours. I don't know what happens to your brain when you go to Iraq and Afghanistan. I just don't know. I know that she served, and I know that I was sad when she was shot by that police officer uh, and her life was taken. Uh, at the same time, I don't want to see that particular police officer lose his job as a result of defending the Capitol and defending folks and defending people. Some people feel like she had it coming. I don't feel that way. I don't feel like anybody had it coming. I do feel like what happened in the other Washington, though, is going to be a moment in our history that's going to be helpful and I'll tell you why on the other side of this. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, episode, and I got the episode number wrong. Sorry about that. This is episode uh, 207. Today, we're live from the Les Schwab Studios. He's Ron, and I'm Don, and you're part of the, the Ron and Don Nation. What, what happened in the other Washington uh, a, a few days ago, I think, helped all of us, and I'll tell you why here in a moment. I'll tell you who it really helped is it helped Joe Biden. Uh, I don't know if you remember The Wizard of Oz, but when the curtain was pulled back, right? When the curtain was pulled back and we found out who the wizard really was, that's what we found out here. I feel like I've kind of known who the wizard was for quite some time because I used to listen to the wizard on the Howard Stern show. And when I was studying to be a broadcaster, I'm an informal learner. And some of the people that I would study, I would study televangelists, uh, Jim Baker was phenomenal. I always watched uh, Jimmy Swaggart, always. And not because I want to be a preacher in a church, but just I was mesmerized by the way they could take a crowd on TV or a crowd right in front of them and wrap that crowd around their finger using music, uh, also using the ability to speak, to communicate, using theatrics, theater, uh, and a call to action always when they have these altar calls at the end. And whether people end up thinking they're speaking in tongues or giving money to the church or getting saved or whatever it is, or in Jim Baker's case, he went to federal prison for what he did and what he didn't do. It's really phenomenal. And when you go back and you listen to Donald Trump, uh, he was on the Howard Stern show, I think over 60 times. And I've gone back and I've read some of the tr transcripts when he was on. And this is what he would do, even on that show when he was on 25 and 30 years ago, is he would reel people in by being kind, by being nice, by telling them they're a good guy. And then he'd sit there and slap them in the face in the same conversation. And then he would turn around and he would ask for something. And then he would pivot back to saying, hey, but you're a good guy. Always speaking in very uh, influential language. Never apologizing. Always being a strong man. And in reeling people in, uh, he did this as an entertainer when he was on Howard's show because he would call in all the time. Sometimes he would call in as his own agent or sometimes he would call in as a media person. And it was, he wanted to talk about this guy named Donald Trump. And it was actually Donald Trump disguising his voice because there was so much ego and so much narcissism. And Howard Stern knew that he was doing it. But he said, you know what? He's the greatest guest because my audience knew that he was doing it, too. And it was a lot of fun until it wasn't a lot of fun. You think about the phone call when it comes to Donald Trump picking up the phone and calling uh, local attorney generals in different states and saying, hey, you know what I need you to do? I need you to go find some votes. And we've listened to a call with him doing a similar thing to other politicians and people of power and saying, hey, you're a good guy and you're a great guy and all you need to do is go out and find 12,000 votes and at the same time, and then turning around and slapping them upside the head. The wizard has always done that. As I shared before, he learned that from a guy by the name of Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn, back when you look at 1993, he was a mentor to Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. And he taught three things. Number one, you never back down. Number two, you never apologize. And number three, number three, you never walk away. You just never walk away. And that's what we see the president doing now. And the difference is, this isn't the Howard Stern show anymore. This is not The Apprentice. When you think about The Apprentice, he had no problem firing people. But now that America has said, you're fired, he can't walk away. He cannot walk away. He's had a very difficult time walking away. If you're Joe Biden, though, you're in a tough spot. 
you wanted to be a unifier. And you were finding out real quick that Donald Trump still had, he had too much pull. And it was going to be impossible for him to be a unifier. A lot of people now and a lot of people in my sphere that were Trump supporters, they've seen this. They've seen the strong man. They've seen the curtain pulled back and they don't like what they see. They feel bamboozled and they were bamboozled, right? But it's been something that he's been doing for a very, very long time. And he's very, very good at it. He was good on Howard's show. Uh, he was good on The Apprentice. And uh, he was good enough uh, to get elected. I'll also say this for Mike Pence. Mike Pence is an opportunist. There are people on both sides of the aisle right now saying that Mike Pence is a hero. Mike Pence has done a great job. Mike Pence is not a hero because as Ron just said moments ago, Mike Pence uh, knew who Donald Trump was, knew the following that he had, and was basically going to ride the president's coattails until it wasn't convenient to ride those coattails anymore. We all know that he's running in 2024. He was looking for a moment to differentiate himself from the president, and the president gave it to him on a gold platter. Because what Mike Pence is able to do now is say, hey, when that coup happened in the other Washington, you know what I did is I stood up and I stood up against the president. At the end of the day, though, let's take the politicians, though, and just throw that out the window because these politicians are just politicians. We're never going to meet them anyway. They don't care about you and I. At least that's what the evidence tells me. This is what I think, though, for the rest of us. This country has been so divided. I think when the curtain was pulled back, I think when all of us saw uh, the wizard for who the wizard was, uh, I think not only is this the downfall of Donald Trump, but I would say in the coming years, I don't expect him to live long. Uh, I think he'll probably have a heart attack at some point uh, in the coming years. I don't wish that upon this particular president, but we know he's not going to show up on Inauguration Day. It'd be very interesting also when he passes and dies. Will someone like Michelle Obama a show up or George H.W. Bush or George W. Bush there uh, show up because we know that George H.W. Bush, that would be impossible uh, for him to do. I don't think Ronald Reagan will be there anyway. But nonetheless, we look at a lot of this pomp and circumstance of America and the things that we love and care about. Uh, and we've really been torn at the seams, you guys. And we've really gone at each other because of our politics. And I think when we look at this now, when we look at our families, when we look at our friends, the people that we work with, uh, I have great empathy and I have great sympathy for the people that believed in him. And then the curtain was pulled back and they were shocked, just absolutely shocked that he wasn't the patriot that he thought he was and he wasn't leading anyone to the promised land. And it was all about narcissism. And to your point, Ron, I think we see a guy that is on the verge of a mental uh, health snafu. I mean, I worry about that. I worry about that. But anyway, I think this moment, just like 9-11, we all came together. I think this will be a 9-11 moment. I think we are going to see people come together. The important thing here, though, is don't park yourself in front of cable news because cable news makes money when they can divide us. When it's kumbaya, nobody, nobody makes any money because everyone walks away. If anyone loved yesterday, if anyone loved it, it was the politicians like Mike Pence. I'm going to tell you, Joe Biden loved it because now he can come in and have some kind of influence. And I'm also telling you, and this is very interesting, that your CNN, your MSNBC, your Fox, 
all the major stations, they can sit there and say that they're disgusted by it. It drove lots of ratings and lots of revenue yesterday. But at the end of the day, we need to come together in our schools, on our playgrounds, the places where we worship, uh, the places where we coach, the places where we shop, uh, the places where we get our immunization shots, which we're way behind on right now. Uh, I, I think America will use this uh, as a place and space for us to reunite. At least that's my hope. So uh, I hope you're right. I, I think that there are going to be some people do that. Uh, human beings do not like to admit them when they were wrong as a general rule. Uh, and so I hope that um, en masse people have done that. I think there are going to be people that still fold this into their conspiratorial mindset and go even deeper and harder the other way. Um, and we just need to be vigilant and stand up against fascism, stand up against people that don't want to accept the truth, stand up against people that are delusional. And the other thing that's the flip side of that is when someone is can prove that you were wrong, admit you were wrong. If we all as a society started admitting when we were wrong and that became the cultural norm, you know what, Don? Good point. I was wrong. You you just convinced me that I, I didn't look at that the right but way. But you just said you've never heard this president say because it's it's not part of what Roy Kahn taught him when he mentored him. You have never heard – and I've asked people before. If you, if you have tape of the president saying I was wrong without a conjunction but and then explaining it away – and no one's ever been able to share that sound with me because that sound does not exist. He's never said that he was wrong. You know what? And a lot of us have been wrong. I find out from my 10-year-old all the time. That's true. How wrong I've been. You guys, kind of a different show. And again, I'm sorry for getting the episode number wrong. This is episode uh, 207. And uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks to our sponsors at Les Schwab. And uh, let's just hope and pray for peace and harmony over the next couple days. And uh, let's push away from the cable shows. You know, not a lot of people watch those anyway. They just watch them for a long time. The numbers are actually really small, but they get amplified with those television cameras. And then we think the world is crazy when really just a couple people are crazy. And the rest of us are just trying to coach our kids, educate our kids, uh, provide for our families, go to work each and every day, and... Um, and worship in the way that we want to worship you guys. Because whether you're from the right or left, we are all patriots, right? All right. You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode number 208 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>